On today's story session, a tale about a magical psychopath and a citrus-based paternity test. This is Simple Hans. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion just made them way better and more entertaining. So I've got the most true to the original version of Grimm's fairy tales that I could find, and we're going through it front to back, story by story. We'll figure out the intended lessons of each story and the actual lessons of each story. And at the end of the episode, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale titled Simple Hans. Everyone back then was named Hans, apparently. We begin. Once a king lived happily with his daughter, who was his only child. Then all of a sudden, she gave birth to a baby, and no one knew who the father was. Uh, that is awkward. I'll bet someone knows who the father is, but the king doesn't want to shatter his image of his daughter as his sweet little angel, so he's not asking her. We continue. For a long time, the king didn't know what to do. At last, he ordered the princess to take the child and go to the church. Okay, well, at this point, she's had the baby. Who cares who the father is? He's a king, and the mother is a princess. They can take care of this baby, just just get on with it. Once there, a lemon was to be placed in the hands of the child, and the boy was to walk about and offer it to a man. As soon as boy stopped and chose a man, they would know that he is the child's father, and he would be declared the princess's husband. Okay, this is a... Terrible solution and makes zero fucking sense. This this solution just reeks of desperation. Like, the king's just like, I don't know how to figure this out. Let's just do this lemon shit because the kid has to has to give the lemon to someone, right? So regardless what happens, we'll end up with a dad. Granted, it's absolutely impossible for this to lead to the correct answer, but the king is like, like if I come up with some bullshit that's random enough and specific enough... People will think there's some some actual science behind it. Still, so many questions here. Why does it need to be in a church? Why a lemon? Why not an acorn or a leaf or literally anything else? Also, what if the kid's father has died or moved somewhere else in the years that must have passed? Even if they got everyone in the world into this church, there's no way the kid could possibly pick the correct guy. Seriously, at this point, just ask the daughter. Because if she refuses to say then, well, that's concerning, but it's better than dragging some random guy into the mix who you'll then have to deal with forever. Because you don't know who this kid's gonna pick. My god, this is a terrible plan. We continue. Everything was arranged accordingly, and the king also gave orders to allow only highborn people into the church. Okay. Okay, yeah, I see what's going on here. This is obviously not at all about finding the true father of this kid, and is only about getting someone rich and powerful 
to act as father. The king doesn't give a shit about accuracy here. I see that. I see you. I see you, king. However, there was a crooked little hunchback living in the city who was not particularly smart and was therefore called Simple Hans. Well, he managed to push his way into the church among the others without being noticed. Okay, they're definitely going to notice a hunchback pushing his way into a church. And when the child offered the lemon, he handed it to Simple Hans. The princess was mortified, and the king was so upset that he had his daughter, the child, and Simple Hans stuck into a barrel, which was cast into the sea. My god, what the hell, king? So what happened is that his plan backfired horribly, and instead of being like, well, the princess says he's not the father, so clearly this lemon system was flawed. We'll just raise the child ourselves. Instead, the king doubles down and banishes his daughter and grandchild along with the hunchback? Why Why is it so bad if the hunchback is the father? Nothing is different than it was before. Still a king and can still give this child everything in life. And again, why does the daughter not know who the father is? I'm so confused. Because at this point, now it seems like she really doesn't know who the father is. And this was just some type of magical, magical conception. It's like a Jesus situation here. What the hell is happening in this story? We continue. The barrel soon floated off. And when they were alone at sea, the princess groaned and said, You nasty, impudent hunchback. All right, well, that's rude. You're to blame for my misfortune. Why did you force your way into the church? My child's of no concern to you. That's not true, said Simple Hans. He does concern me, because I once made a wish that you would have a child. And whatever I wish comes true. Okay, what? This hunchback is also a magic genie? Well, then he should be doing a lot better, if that's the case, right? Instead of everyone just knowing him as the town dumb guy. This story is chaos. We continue. Well, if that's the case, wish us something to eat. That's easily done, replied Simple Hans, and he wished for a dish full of potatoes. The princess would have liked to have something better. Nevertheless, she was so hungry that she joined him in eating the potatoes. After they had satisfied their hunger, Simple Hans said, Now I'll wish us a beautiful ship. No sooner had he said this than they were sitting on a splendid ship that contained more than enough to fulfill their desires. The helmsman guided the ship straight toward land, and when they went ashore, Simple Hans said, Now I want a castle over there. Suddenly there was a magnificent castle standing there, along with servants dressed in gold uniforms. They led the princess and her child inside, and when they were in the middle of the main hall, Simple Hans said, Now I wish to be a young and clever prince. All at once his hunchback disappeared, and he was handsome, upright, and kind. Indeed, the princess took such a great liking to him that she became his wife. Hmm. Well, firstly, I find it a bit sad that Simple Hans wished for himself to be different and to not have a hunchback anymore. That's sad. You're great just the way you are, Simple Hans. Also, there was nothing preventing him from being upright and kind before. 
So I don't know why that was that was different now. Shouldn't have to change himself, though, regardless. To be honest, he's the catch in this situation. Sounds like the princess is offering pretty much nothing, while he can literally make wishes come true. Granted, now we know that there was no father, and Sibyl Hans, like, magically inseminated this lady, which is basically rape, so... Yeah, that is super horrible and fucked up, Simple Hans. Why the hell did you do that? You're kind of the villain here because you started this whole thing by doing that when you definitely had absolutely no right to do that to the princess and make her have a child regardless whether she wanted to or not. He just wished that she would have a child. What the hell, man? Fuck you. You don't get to now wish for a bunch of great stuff and act like... You're the hero here, Simple Hans. Damn, you know, in unpacking this, I've realized that Simple Hans is an asshole and a rapist, and he got the princess banished from her home, and now she's basically entirely dependent on him. Holy shit, this is horrifying. The princess was right. He's to blame for her misfortune. She didn't ask for any of this. Fuck this guy. Man, okay, let's keep going. For a long time, they lived happily together, and then one day the old king went out riding, lost his way, and arrived at their castle. He was puzzled because he had never seen it before, and decided to enter. The princess recognized her father immediately, but he did not recognize her, for he thought she had drowned in the sea a long time ago. And I guess her face was completely wiped from his mind because of that. She treated him with a great deal of hospitality, and when he was about to return home, she secretly slipped a golden cup into his pocket. After he had ridden off, she sent a pair of knights after him. They were ordered to stop him and search him to see if he had stolen the golden cup. The hell? When they found it in his pocket, they brought him back. He swore to the princess that he hadn't stolen it, and didn't know how it had gotten into his pocket. That's why, she said, one must beware of rushing to judgment. Oh god, they're comparing the golden cup to her getting pregnant without knowing it? I mean, I guess it attracts, I don't know. And she revealed to him that she was his daughter. The king rejoiced, and they all lived happily together. And after the king's death, Simple Hans became king. The end. That's the lesson? Beware of rushing to judgment? Oh my god, what a ridiculous, convoluted story to try to send that message. That story was bonkers. Also, the king rejoiced. Nothing is different now. It's still Simple Hans. It's still his daughter. The situation is the same. Now they just know Simple Hans can wish for stuff, and so he's all joyful. Man, yeah, Simple Hans is a psychopath and a predator, and is unquestionably the villain of this story. And the villain wins. He marries a princess and becomes king. Why did he not transform into a nobleman before coming into the church? Because if he'd done that, then surely the king would have been more than happy to have him as the princess's husband, but he didn't. Because I guess he needed to get the princess to be totally isolated and dependent on him, and she would only be banished if he was such an unsuitable partner that they were all forsaken and tossed into the sea in a damn 
barrel. Man, seriously, who the hell is this guy? Why didn't he start making wishes to better his circumstances way earlier? Because this is, this is the sequence of events from his perspective. He's a dumb, poor hunchback who can wish for anything he desires. He doesn't wish for intelligence or wealth or land or anything like that. Instead, he just makes one wish that we know of, that the princess, a woman who he doesn't know, will get pregnant and have a child. Super messed up and horrifying thing to do to someone against their will. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Then he keeps this totally secret and tells nobody for years. He also doesn't seem to make any wishes to better his own circumstances during this time either. He just waits for years for this kid to grow up. Then the king comes up with a stupid lemon-based paternity test and so he pushes into the church. Somehow the lemon test actually works. Let's talk about that for a second. How did this plan actually work? And the kid gives the lemon to Simple Hans. This infuriates everyone, and they get banished. You'd think now, before they get thrown into a barrel and cast out to sea, it would be a good time to reveal that you have magic powers and can grant any wish whatsoever. But no, he still keeps all this a secret. Then, when the princess and child think they're going to die in a barrel in the sea, he reveals he is magic and can do literally anything. So to prove this, he conjures a disappointing meal of only potatoes, and then he saves their lives and gets them a castle and makes himself smart and handsome. This is a horribly deceitful and self-interested plan. And it only makes sense if it's a long-term plan to isolate the princess and trap her into this situation so he can make her entirely dependent on him. This is a total shit show. To be honest, Simple Hans is one of the most evil villains we've encountered in any story so far. Man, I did not expect this going in. I also really hate this story's attitude towards Simple Hans being a hunchback too. It's sad because it could have gone a different direction. I thought it was going to go the direction of the hunchback was actually a wonderful, brilliant man who was just misunderstood by society and had a lot to offer, and he saved them through his ingenuity and was a great partner. I thought he was going to be like, looks can be deceiving, and figure out a way to save their lives and give them a good life together. But no, he impregnated the princess and kept it all secret, tricking everyone and revealing that actually he's fine and he can save her too, and again, the princess didn't ask for any of this. At no point does it say she wanted a child but couldn't have one or anything. Simple Hans just did this. What an awful person. Man. So the intended lesson is stated outright. Beware of rushing to judgment. I mean, to be honest, they were right to banish Simple Hans. Not because he's a hunchback and dumb, but because he's a, a monster and a rapist. He's a horrible person. He should be thrown in prison. So, I mean, yeah, they should not have rushed to judgment and banished them just because Simple Hans had a hunchback and was known to be stupid and poor. But there is just so much more going on here that this lesson is just completely lost for me. The only way this lesson works is if you think about it this way. Everyone judged Simple Hans as just being a harmless dumb guy, when in fact he's an evil mastermind who impregnates people against their will and destroys families. So in that sense, yeah, 
the town rushed to judgment on Sibyl Hans, because it turns out, he's way worse than they ever could have imagined. For actual lessons, first one, if someone saves you from a situation, they shouldn't be rewarded if they intentionally got you into that situation. That's con man shit right there. Abusers do that too. They create a horrible situation and make their victim think everything is dire, and then they're like, it's fine, I'll solve it. You owe me now. Fuck that shit. Not okay. Second lesson, sometimes an absentee parent is better than having that parent in a kid's life. Like, yeah, it's super fucked up that the princess had a child the way she did, but my point is that at that point in time, when she's already had the baby and her and the king are taking care of it, why does the king care so much about finding the father? Just let the princess live her life, and when she falls in love with someone and decides to marry that person, that will be the child's other parent. That is obviously a better solution than trying to find the biological father who kept silent for years and has done nothing to help this child. Clearly they won't be a good parent. Just forget about them. Move on. So yeah, sometimes a parent makes a decision if the other parent is malicious or abusive or something, that they then cut that parent out of the kid's life because that parent's influence is worse than not having that parent. Find a great stepfather or stepmother and let that terrible parent go. And in this instance, it's not like the kid is way better off in Simple Hans's castle than they would have been in, you know, the initial, the first king's castle. They're still, it's the same situation. There's still royalty. They've still got a kingdom. They just would also have like a family and an actual community around them as opposed to this weird isolated castle where Simple Hans is just some insane ruler over everything and everything literally revolves around him. It's horrifying. So yeah, there's another lesson. So the final lesson is roll with the punches. The king reacts real badly to Simple Hans being identified as the father. Granted, it was through this very flawed lemon system, which somehow worked, but definitely shouldn't have. So what if Simple Hans is the father? The king should have just asked him a bunch of questions and figured out how the hell this guy impregnated his daughter without having sex, because that's, a, that's, that's worth figuring out. And then it would have been revealed that this guy is an actual real-life genie, and then the king could have used that to the benefit of himself, the princess, the child, and the whole kingdom. Then the family would have stayed together, and things would have been much better. It's still super horrifying that Simple Hans impregnated his daughter, so maybe don't actually give him father privileges or let him be one of the royal family or anything like that. I mean, in all honesty, it would have been kind of justified if after learning the truth of what happened, they just killed Simple Hans. I wouldn't have been mad about that at all. He impregnated the princess against her will. That is insane. But my point is, the king reacted really rashly. First, to, to feel the need to like do the lemon test to begin with, and then at the news that Simple Hans was the father. Definitely shouldn't have banished his daughter and grandchild. That was completely over the line. And she would have justifiably harbored some resentment over that later on, but she got over it super fast later on. She's like, okay, welcome back, Dad. See, it worked out, I guess, kind of, maybe, maybe not. We really don't know what's going on in that castle or what their lives are like. But the princess is the real victim in all of this. She is 100% the victim in all this. And now she's getting banished to death at sea. 
And the child did nothing wrong either. Like, don't kill them, king. What the hell is wrong with you? Like, yeah, basically, both the king and Simple Hans are awful people and villains in this story. But to sum up my last actual lesson here, if something happens or you get some news that you're not ready for or happy about, take a breath, keep your head, take stock of the situation and what happened and where things stand, and then figure out the best path forward for everyone involved. Keep your head, folks. All right, let's adapt this thing. So this is going to be a modern-day adaptation, a movie. We're going to go dark and gritty with this, because I think this premise is ripe for some dark, twisted shit. So we've got a woman and her husband living in an apartment building in a pretty rough part of, let's say, New York. And the woman will be played by Zoe Saldana, and her husband is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And she's she's got some weird, eccentric, down, down-on-their-luck neighbors at this place, but they all look out for each other. And her and her husband have a young daughter, but they're always having money troubles, and Jake Gyllenhaal is always being an asshole and getting mad at Zoe Saldana for not making enough money at her job waiting tables at a restaurant, even though he has a gambling problem and he just gambles away any money that they do have. And then one day, Zoe Saldana gets back home from a day at work, and her daughter is like, Hey, someone dropped off a package for you earlier. They just knocked on the door and left. I didn't see who it was. And there's a cardboard box with Zoe's name on it, but no address or return address or anything. So she opens up the cardboard box to see just stacks of cash. An unbelievable amount of cash. And she's like, oh my god, there's like a million dollars in here. And she doesn't know what to do with it, so she puts her daughter to sleep and hides it in a heating vent. And Jake Gyllenhaal gets back. And it's like, I gambled away all the money again, and he passes out, and she doesn't tell him anything. And the next day, she takes it to the bank, gets a safe deposit box, and she puts it all in there. And she knows she has to be secretive about it, because otherwise, Jake Gyllenhaal's just gonna know she's hiding something, and then is gonna want to gamble it all away. But she gets a little nicer food for her daughter's lunches, and she gets her daughter a couple books, and she gets some, some nice new clothes for herself. Nothing major. But after a while, Jake Gyllenhaal starts to get suspicious. He's like, what's going on here? I never seem worried about money anymore, and and you keep getting things without checking with me. Where are you getting all this money from? I want to gamble that shit. And she's like, I've had a good couple months at the restaurant. And he's like, bullshit. Are you selling drugs? Are you you walking the street or something? And she's like, hey, screw you, man. We're still broke. Don't be insulting to me about it. But he knows something's going on. So he starts following her, and one day, he sees her go to the bank and take her daughter to a nice dinner when they think he's at work, and then he confronts her, and there's a huge fight, and he's like, if I can't gamble everything we have, then we're done. I love gambling. And so he throws them out of the apartment. Thankfully, she's got all this cash that she no longer needs to hide. So she gets a hotel, and they find a new apartment, and things are okay, but Jake Gyllenhaal is still kind of harassing her and now trying to hit her up for money and just won't leave her alone. Uh, But she quits her job at the restaurant and starts her own little restaurant, and things are going well. Other than, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal still kind of harassing them all the time. And one day, one of the regulars at her old restaurant comes by and is like, you've done a great job here with this new place, you know? I feel feel very invested in your success, Zoe Saldana. And Zoe's like, why is that? And he gives her a knowing look and says, where do you think that box full of cash came from? And she realizes that it was this man who gave her the money. And this will be played by Matt Smith from Doctor Who in The Crown. He's like a... plays like a well-to-do British guy who's super fancy and eccentric. And so Zoe is stunned 
but she's like, wow, thank you. You know, thanks. Thanks for that money. I could finally leave that crazy asshole Jake Gyllenhaal and start my own restaurant. And he's like, I'm so glad. And they hit it off and start dating. And he impresses her with a bunch of rich British shit. And she and her daughter move in with him and things go well and they get married surprisingly quickly, but she's just all swept up in the love and he tells Jake Gyllenhaal to back off. And But soon after that, he starts to get very controlling. And it starts small, just like giving her advice with her restaurant and stuff. But then he loans her more money for the expansion of the restaurant. And soon she realizes that this guy has completely isolated her from everyone she knew before and made her almost entirely dependent on him. And from here on out, it just becomes a psychological horror movie with him just being crazy and controlling and psychologically torturing her. And he's all British about it, like... How dare you put the clotted cream on the scone before the jam? I'll kill you for your insolence. Which, by the way, is a real thing that British people have super strong opinions about. The debate about which you spread on first is like a real thing that people get mad about here. Anyway, this culminates with him trapping her in his giant New York penthouse and holding her daughter hostage. And finally, she's like, well, he might have all this money and power, but I've got something he doesn't have. The strength and grit and street smarts and ingenuity I've acquired by living a hard life. And so she ends up turning the tables and escapes from the penthouse. But still, he has her daughter and holds her hostage, so she's like, fuck this guy, he is done. And then she contacts Matt Smith to meet her to to work it out. And they meet in the alley of her old apartment building, and she gets the drop on him with the help of her eccentric neighbors from before, and she straight up kills him. And she's like, put some clotted cream on this bitch. And she kills him. But she makes it look like a random act of violence just in the alley. And since they were married and she's still his wife, she inherits a huge amount of his wealth. And all the maids and the driver and the people who worked for Matt Smith, they're all working people just like Zoe Saldana. So they're more than happy to have her as their new boss instead of Matt Smith. And she gives them way better pay and working conditions. And Zoe and her daughter move into a new place all their own. And Zoe's restaurant business does great, and she uses her newfound wealth to start a charity in the part of town she used to live, with all of her previous neighbors as employees. And she and her daughter live happily ever after the end. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled Rumpelstiltskin, That Old Chestnut. Come on back next week for another classic. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.